Hey, welcome to that badass podcast. I'm Kaylee, your realistic nutritionist, helping you find the balance between green smoothies and red wine. And I'm Ashley, the creator of Royally Fit, that went from obsessive exercising and calorie counting to living a free, unrestrictive, and badass life. We are here to build a tribe of babe-supporting babes so you can thrive in your fitness, health, and mental wealth. So if you like to keep it real, raw, and controversial, welcome. Let's get started. Boom! Nailed that shit! (laughs) After like 18 tries. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to That Badass Podcast. We're hanging out here at the Center of Advanced Medicine with Kaylee and Dr. Robin Murphy. Today, we're going to be talking about gut health, and we're going to be talking about how gluten affects gut health. And the reason we're doing this is because when we were at this office last time, we had a discussion with Dr. Arsenault about SIBO. And the topic of gluten came up and we had some confusion from our listeners around whether gluten was good for you or not and if they should go off gluten or limit their gluten or whatever. So today we're going to talk all about gluten and gut health and I want to say butt health. (laughs) A little bit of butt health. (laughs) Just to make people laugh. It's all connected, so uh, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So welcome, Dr. Murphy. Um, Thank you so much. We are going to ask, or do you prefer me to call you Dr. Robin or Dr. Murphy? Uh, I, I hear Dr. Murphy, but I'm, okay. I'm totally okay with Dr. Robin as well. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All yeah. right. So we're going to do a couple questions to get to know you first. Uh, okay. so our listeners can get to know you as well. And then we're going to get into the good stuff. So first, how long have you been a functional medicine doctor for? Okay. So I, I've technically, you know, I graduated about six years ago, coming on six years. And when you say functional medicine doctor, you know, it's someone who has looked at the body and done different training as far as, um, looking at the different systems, how they relate to one another and how those are, are, um, intimately connected in developing different systems. So I have a little bit of a different background because when I graduated, I actually got hired by a genetics company. So I got to dive really deep into the biochemistry, into the genetics and talk with a ton of functional medical doctors, both naturopathic doctors and medical doctors as well. So my training has been working within the field, uh, developing different tests. And then coming to the clinic about four years ago now, mm-hmm. um, I've had an opportunity to work with Dr. Arsenault as well and, and some other great medical uh, doctors in our office as well. So it's been about six years in total. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. So just to follow up, what made you decide to, to take this career path? Mm-hmm. Cause you know, from a very young age, you know, uh, probably three or four, I wanted to be a doctor Oh wow! and it's because my grandfather was a surgeon. He was a GP, um, in Niagara Falls and I looked up to him and we have a, lo- a number of doctors and, uh, nurses in our family. So that was kind of the path right from a very young age. Wow. And when I got into university, I did my undergrad in sciences. Um, and just on a whim, I took a uh, elective in Buddhism. So yeah, I I thought, okay, I'm going really heavy in the sciences here. I need to expand my mind a little bit and uh, ended up doing some Buddhism and uh, art classes. So in our, in the Buddhism class, it was, uh, we started learning about Tibetan medicine and Chinese medicine. And this blew my mind. I I had never heard of these sort of concepts uh, that they were teaching, you know, their traditions about medicine, how they looked at the body. It was totally new to me. And something just clicked. And I said, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I did is I, I, after I graduated, rather than going down into, you know, the MCATs and doing my medical degree, like I was planning, I ended up moving to China. And Whoa. I, yeah, I live there. 
Um, I was actually an English teacher, but my Chinese family, my Chinese baba, <laughs> as we called him, um, he was a, a traditional Chinese medical doctor. Wow. So he would do everything, the the acupuncture, the Chinese herbs, you know, all these little formulas. Okay, and we need to do a podcast just on this at some point. Yeah. I'm so interested <laughs> in this stuff. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. It, it, again, it just blew my mind. And, you know, we would do acupuncture sessions and what I felt in my body you know, the effects that I was seeing, taking the different herbs, uh, I was just so enthralled. And so um, while, while I was in China, I ended up uh, registering to the University of um, uh, Beijing, a program to study uh, Chinese uh, herbology. So that started getting me into herbal medicine. So then at the end of that, I said, okay, what's what's out there? You know, I'm planning to come back to Canada. Am I going to be an acupuncturist? Am I going to be a Chinese medical doctor? I had no idea. I had never heard of a naturopath. I had never met a naturopath. And probably a lot of patients, you know, and uh, listeners maybe have not heard of a naturopath or it's starting to become more, um, more common. But, um, you know, I didn't even ask anyone about what the program was. I just started looking to see, okay, what's out there? What I loved about naturopathic medicine is we were taught, you know, the foundation of conventional medicine. So looking at labs, diagnostics, you know, all of the pathophysiology um, that's necessary to identify, you know, key factors that conventional medicine is is identifying. Um, but we are, we are also taught ch- traditional Chinese medicine, so acupuncture and uh, understanding, you know, the meridians and the different systems of the body from a Chinese perspective. Uh, and then we looked at medical herbalism and all these other just amazing roots and tools, really, of how to be healthy. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Fascinating. Yeah. I love how, what a diverse range of education you have and that you just didn't follow the path, that you literally followed your gut and just explored. A hundred percent. And I also just have to add that at three and four, you knew you wanted to be a doctor. At four years old, my goal in life was to become a Baywatch lifeguard. That was my first <laughs> job. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I think, you know, before I wanted to be a doctor, it was Shira. So, you know, it, it was quite a shift, you know, but, but I actually have it written down, you know, That's Shira. Awesome. And then the next year it was doctor. You leveled up. Wow. Yeah. And amazing. I think brain, brain doctor at one point. Too. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. That's so But cool. yeah, I followed my gut. It was, it was one of those things in life where I, I can't really, you know, rationalize what that pull was. It's yeah. almost just like you know, here's the, here's the path, go on it, just follow it. How do you explain intuition, right? Like that's a really hard thing to explain other than talk about your gut. It's just this like, it's almost like this obsessive, um, like compulsion takes over. Right. And like, it's like, you don't feel aligned unless you follow that. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that leads into another great question is what got you into gut health? Mm -hmm. So I have, um, while I was at the genetics company, I was seeing patients as well. Um, so I was the associate medical director there, but also uh, doing private practice. And I started to get in just kind of seeing general patients. Um, a colleague of mine had struggled with gut health, her gut health, uh, for the entire time that we were in school together. So I had learned a lot about her struggles, about her education, you know, additional training. She was starting to talk to me a lot about SIBO at that time. It was just mm-hmm. coming out. Mm-hmm. So this is back in, you know, 2010, 2011. Um, And then I started seeing patients that really, you know, their symptoms just 
were so obvious when it came to SIBO and IBS. And we were starting to understand the causes to IBS and actually how to treat it and get resolved. So I had a few patients that I started putting through these programs and we got such good results. One of those patients who did a lot of TV and, and, and public um, and, and media and things like that, she said, this is amazing. You know, I've been struggling with this for 30 plus years. Um, it's affected my mental health, uh, you know, in every area of, of her course. life. Yeah. Um, you know, she couldn't travel. She ended up ending a relationship because her gut problems were causing so much discourse between mm-hmm. what she wanted to do and what was she, she was able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started, we worked together and after a year she, um, she was better. She could do things, she could eat things, she could, you know, she, she felt great. Her energy was up and, uh, she said, people need to know about this. So we need to start a company. And we ended up starting a company together called the IBS Academy and it was a, an educational program to teach people about SIBO, about the causes, and that SIBO can be a cause to IBS and that it's actually treatable. And uh, that led me down this amazing role into gut health. And then the more and more that I got into it and, and became, um, you know, an authority in it, I, I was just... I'm still amazed at the effects that the gut has on the rest of the body. You know, we're talking about the mental health. We're Mm -hmm. talking about hormones. We're talking about immune, uh, autoimmunity, uh, skin health, Mm -hmm. you know, and and Hippocrates said um, the gut is the seat of the health, Mm -hmm. right? That's where health starts. And now we're starting to find out, you know, the microbiome and just all the literature and research um, of just how these bacteria actually affect our metabolism, affect our uh, sensitivities, our, our nutrient stores, so many different areas. So it's it's just been fascinating, and uh, I'm just totally amazed by it. So that, yeah. that's how I got into it. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. So I think what our listeners are probably the most excited to get into is talking about gluten. It's something that Ashley and I get asked about all the time, so we would love your perspective on it, but let's mm-hmm. just break it down really simple to start. Sure. Explain what gluten is. Gluten is a protein and it's found in certain grains. So it's found in wheat, barley, rye, and depending on the processing, it could be found in oats as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a protein. It, it's, it's what holds the seed together. You know, we think about the grain. Uh, it has a number of enzymes and nutrients within that seed and it's, it's just kind of stuck together, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's glutinous, you know, it's the glue that holds the seed together. Mm-hmm. You can think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that makes it sound really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but how does it affect your gut health and overall health? Because, yeah, like it, when you say it's just a protein of mm-hmm. a grain, it doesn't sound that evil, yeah. right? So it's like what makes it so have such an impact on your gut health? Yeah, I, I, and there's a pendulum when it comes to the effects that gluten has on people. Um, it can start with uh, people actually having an autoimmune reaction to it. So it could be celiac. They're, uh, they have celiac disease, mm-hmm. which means that the gluten is um, af- have, af- affecting their digestive health, their gut lining, and then the immune system is reacting to that, and that's causing their immune system to actually break down the gut lining. Uh, so that's an autoimmune. And about 1% to 2% of Canadians have celiac disease. Uh, that's the extreme end of it. Uh, on the other side of it, there can be sensitivities, uh, intolerances, and allergies. 
So it all depends on how your body is responding to it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, when we look at allergies, this can be uh, an actual immune reaction, not getting into celiac disease. It's not causing the immune system to destroy your body, but it's the immune system is reacting to the protein. And it's the and this can be uh, severe allergies, uh, what we know as anaphylaxis and allergies. Even for gluten. And it could be um, not very often anaphylaxis. That would be immediate types of yeah. reactions, but delayed types. So there's different types. Most people, when they, they hear allergies, they think of the anaphylaxis, you know, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. immediate response. Um, where you're getting a uh, swollen tongue, swollen throat, you know, tingling, uh, it can be life threatening, you know, mm-hmm. um, but delayed type, uh, these are where we see gluten allergies the most where it is the body reacting, but it's a different type of immune cell. So it can take a few days mm-hmm. for it to show up, yes. uh, one to yeah. three days. Yeah. And it, it's not going to be that immediate, you know, high intensity type of, uh, response. It, it could be a headache. It could be constipation. It could be, you know, just general inflammation that we don't even pick up on mm-hmm. uh, for years on end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we can see leads to problems down the road. And uh, intolerances, you know, can be more that you're not able to digest the gluten as well. And that can there can be a number of reasons of why the gut health is affected and why you're not able to break down the gluten Uh, And then another layer on top of it, and I don't want to make it complicated, but another layer is looking at the the quantity of gluten Mm -hmm. that's found within our foods. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we go back 100 years, the wheat that we used 100 years ago is not the same wheat that we're using uh, in the modern day. And so there's actually a higher uh, concentration of gluten. So it means a higher demand for our body to be able to break it down. Uh, But then we're also seeing that there's chemicals that are being used within crops. Uh, There's a high rate of uh, glyphosates, which is known as Roundup, uh, in our our foods. And wheat is one of the highest uh, concentration of crops that have uh, glyphosate. So, you know, what we're we're starting to realize is this can uh, drastically affect our, our digestive health. And it's not necessarily the gluten in this case, it's the chemicals that we're being exposed to. So what's really fascinating is I have a ton of patients that are quote unquote, um, reactive to gluten in, in Canada and North America, they're eating products or they, they have to, you know, they notice they get bloating, constipation, you know, abdominal pain when they're eating gluten, uh, in Canada, but then when they go and travel to Europe where they've banned a lot of these chemicals, they're totally fine. Yeah, that was me. So I, I definitely started, we were there for 17 days. So by the, like you're saying, like the quantity, like by the, you know, by day, like 14 to 17, like my body's like, okay, like I've had enough now, but I wasn't reactive. Like my face breaks out. I get rashes. I get what I called a gluten hangover. Like Mm -hmm. I I feel really tired. I have a hard time getting my words out. I, yeah, it's hard to explain like that brain fog basically. And, uh, and, and constipation or when I was younger, diarrhea. So it's like, it's one or the other, basically. I'm very highly reactive. And when I was over in Europe, I was having like white bread and croissants. And even, I was even able to have more dairy when I was there. And it was incredible how much, it was like such a pleasure for me to be able to go and enjoy those things without such a repercussion. But by the end, my body's like, okay, that's enough. So like, it, I, it's like you reach like a certain level and your body's like, nope. 
100%. And I had to pull back on it again. Yeah. And I can tell even now to this day, like if I start having more um, spread of green breads and I'm having them frequently or I go out on the weekend and I have like, you know, like just some like regular bread or a donut or something like that, my body reacts. Where if I just have it like intermittently here and there, mm-hmm. I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely... Definitely different in different areas of the world. And also I can, I can say firsthand that it has an impact definitely on the amount you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, you, you made me think of something else too, is that, uh, and this is getting into mental health, but you know, the effect that gluten can have on the brain of some people can be extremely drastic. <clears throat> so there can be, um, there's associations and this is by the work of Dr. James Greenblatt in that people with, um, schizophrenia, anxiety, panic attack, they can, their brain can be affected by the gluten because they're not able to break it down with a certain enzyme. And that gluten then turns into something called glute, glutomorphine, which, wow. which is a, you know, it, it's, it almost like a, a neurotransmitter. Yeah. So it happens with dairy as yeah, well. Cassie morphine. <coughs> exactly. Yeah. And so this brain fog, uh, we see this, uh, there's reports in autism as well, where the gluten is having such a strong effect on the brain. It can affect cognition, even balance. There can be a, a gluten cerebral ataxia, you know, to the extreme, you know, uh, results, but, uh, it, it's significant. I think we downplay the, the, the effects that it can have. And, I just, I'm so glad you guys are doing this because, uh, people need to know. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately we, you know, not to get into, uh, you know, conspiracies or anything like that. No, I love it. Get into it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just, it's just unfortunate that we have to, uh, we can't necessarily trust, you know, what's out there as far as what's being sold to us as food. And told to us. And told to us. We really have to be advocates, uh, for ourselves, And it's, it's all about, I love empowering, listeners and patients and you know the 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 term doctor comes from the latin word dossier which means to teach and that's all i'm here to do and so if we can teach you know the masses about um how to really truly optimize their health and take control of their health and do it in a fun way that's not just okay gluten dairy free just cut everything out that's not what we're advocating there's so many other options out there um, that can make it really enjoyable. It doesn't have to be, uh, uh, deprivation. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that for a second because we promote a mostly dairy and gluten-free lifestyle. Like we're not Nazis about it. Like we're not crazy. And we do, we do try to teach our followers as well and our members to listen to their bodies and like Kaylee Mm. can, she can tolerate more gluten than I can. Right. And then, so it's like just knowing your, yourself. So why don't we explain for somebody that doesn't think that they have any symptoms? Mm -hmm. Um, can you maybe talk about like why it would still be beneficial to consider how much gluten you're having in your diet? Yeah. I think you uh, hit the nail on the head as far as people being aware of their symptoms. What can happen is we can be eating these foods for decades and we slowly, we're very adaptable. So we get used to feeling a certain way. And if we're slowly starting to decrease our energy over time, we're slowly starting to decrease our mood or our, you know, skin health or vitality. We don't really notice it uh, as opposed to just one day, you know, we're at a 10 out of 10 and the next day we're at a five out of 10. It's so gradual. So the importance of starting, you know, to consider looking at how much gluten you're consuming um, and potentially just doing a trial 
of doing, say, two to four weeks, I would say, of a gluten-free diet is to see what are the differences that you could potentially Mm -hmm. uh, see. You know, what what is out there for you on that other side? Maybe you don't even know that your energy could be elevated by 50, you know, 80% more. Your cognitive ability could be better. Your skin could be clearer, you know, your mood. And and it's not that this is a, a wonder, you know, drug or anything like that, that this is the end all and be all. But it's incredible when I see patients who just do that simple thing, simple, quote unquote, yeah. <laughs> um, but they take that out and they realize, wow, I've been inflamed this whole time. I can feel the water retention. You know, I've noticed yes. that I my my clothes are fitting better and you know, I'm waking up in the morning and I feel more alert. Um, you know, we didn't even talk about the effects of gluten on the thyroid too. So, uh, that's, that's a huge component and, uh, and a huge connection. So that morning energy, you know, if there's any effects on your thyroid, that's going to be, uh, affected, uh, as well. So it's about, you know, getting clear on, um, what symptoms are there, you know, being connected and aware of what's, Mm -hmm. what's going on in your body. I think a lot of people think that the only symptoms would be if they're bloated or not. So some are like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I eat it and I'm fine. But Mm -hmm. like you said, it can take up to 72 hours before you feel the effects. And a lot of people think they feel quote unquote normal, but your normal doesn't mean optimal. Correct. And people don't think about that. They're like, oh, I always have headaches. I've always had hip pain. That's just normal for me. And it's like, no, 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 no. That doesn't have to be your normal. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, like I said, some people think that it's normal, you know, they're normal to have a bowel movement once every three days or once a week. And they say, well, I'm regular. Well, regular in your frequency, but we're looking for daily bowel movements. You know, this is where we uh, eliminate all of our waste. And the longer it sits in the colon, the more it becomes dehydrated, the more the bacteria uh, um, breaks apart certain bonds between our hormones and our toxins. So it allows the recirculation back into the body. Um, So we want to make sure that we're going on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Going back to the controversy about it for a second, um, a lot of people will find articles. I mean, you can find articles out there to combat any like side of the fence you're on, right? So the one thing that I've heard before is that going uh, gluten-free can restrict you from certain nutrients and vitamins. And so I want you to talk about that for a little bit because I know mm-hmm. that some people's apprehensions and they've read an article and they're like, well, I probably shouldn't do it if I'm not celiac because I don't want to miss out on vitamins and nutrients. Mm. So maybe if you can explain like where the gluten diet is done incorrectly. Mm. So incorrectly is when people are just before learning about what products they're consuming and what alternatives they could be uh, replacing that product with. They just cut cold turkey and then they, they have a very restrictive diet and they end up just eating gluten-free crackers or... You know, and cookies and cakes and, cookies, and brownies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was me and I gained 10 pounds when I first exactly. went gluten-free. Yeah, yeah they're Whoops. highly... Yeah, highly... These gluten-free uh, pretzels dense. doesn't mean calorie-free. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, the grains, they have B vitamins in them. Yeah. So the concern is, is if you switch your diet and you're, you're not variable in your diet and you're not replacing the, the B rich foods with, uh, alternatives like tempeh or whatever it may be just to help, um, 
get that balanced source of nutrients, then that's where we can see deficiencies. Uh, on the other side, though, you know, if you're consuming gluten on a regular basis and there is chronic inflammation, it can affect your nutrient absorption mm-hmm. and it can affect uh, nutrient deficient or, or cause nutrient deficiencies. Uh, particularly, we see that on the extreme end. So with celiac disease, they actually can't absorb because the uh, little uh, finger-like projections of the gastrointestinal tract um, end up getting destroyed. And rather than you seeing these nice finger-like projections, it, it becomes totally flat, like a wasteland. Yeah. And that's where all our uh, a lot of our enzymes are that are breaking down our food. It also uh, creates surface area as well so that we're able to uh, effectively absorb and we have a, a, a greater area. And, uh, you know, don't quote me on this exactly, but the surface area per, I, I believe it was square uh, meters of the gut and the microvilli is over three football fields. That's how, how vast it is. So wow. when we're starting to destroy those little fingers, we're also reducing, you know, how much land we have in order to absorb those nutrients uh, from our foods. I just kind of wanted to carry on with that because gluten is a big factor when it comes to leaky gut and... I don't, I think that would be awesome if we could kind of talk about leaky gut a little bit because I know it's kind of a buzzword right now, but a lot of people don't know what it means and they're like, what do you mean my leak or my gut is leaking? So if we could just kind of give a quick overview of what leaky gut is and how it's going to affect your health. Um, So typically, you know, if we think about the digestive tract, think of it like a tube and it goes all the way from the mouth all the way down to the anus. And that tube is meant to be a filtering system. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, this room here, it's totally closed. There's no windows. They have me in a cellar right now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, You're doing this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I'm actually in my office at at clinic. But, you know, if we think about this office that has the four walls and a door, and right now the door is closed. So this is a, a good filtering system. You know, the body can decide what goes in and out, what stays out, and what comes into the body through the um, blood and lymphatic system. So when we talk about leaky gut, we think about these uh, barriers start to get compromised. So it's like opening up the doors, opening up the windows. Now your body isn't the one who is deciding what goes in and what stays out. Now you're opening it up so that there can be this flood of maybe undigested proteins or byproducts, you know, chemicals that are made from the bacteria or, you know, gases. There's so many different things that can come into the bloodstream that now your body's getting introduced to that the immune system hasn't seen before. So that's what starts the systemic uh, effects. We see in the whole body there can be signs when there's a high, you know, quote unquote, leaky gut. Um, We call it hyperintestinal permeability. Uh, And it just means that in between the cells of the lining, uh, it's more permeable. We can think of it like that. So basically undigested food is leaking through the gut and going into our bloodstream. Yep. And And, it's not supposed to be there. (laughs) Yeah. We're supposed to be breaking those down. And and we see, you know, we're starting to see a huge amount of research and literature coming out on this as well, is the bacteria produce different byproducts as well. So any of any of the products that they're producing can then cross without being filtered properly and get into the system. And then that's being, you know, uh, associated with things like liver disease and uh, systemic inflammation. That's where we see joint problems, brain problems. And what people just think is allergies. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, oh, I'm just having an allergic reaction. But we think about long term what this does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember reading in Mark Hyman's book and he was, when he was talking about gluten and he said, he's like, there is not one individual that like the gluten doesn't affect their gut lining. You might not, ha- it might not affect you severely, but it is wearing and tearing away at your gut lining which I thought was interesting that he's like, there's no, like gluten is just so powerful that it is going to damage the lining. It, it's so concentrated. So it's hard for the body to break down. And if you're not digesting your foods and there's just these residual particles sitting there, it's going to have an effect. Absolutely. We, we do a seven day banish the bloat and we're actually going to be doing it again. Um, we're challenge. Yeah, our challenge. And we're going to be doing that again this week. And one of the biggest things this is probably going to be our fifth time doing it. And one of the biggest things that we see is like you were saying earlier is the inflammation. So a lot of them lose the bloat, mm-hmm. right? Cause they're going dairy and gluten free and it's like a lot of water retention goes away. So we're, they can't believe the difference in their stomach. And a lot of it is their brain fog and their energy. Like they're just mind blown and they never, like you guys are saying earlier, like they always just kind of thought that was their norm. Yeah. Right. And that's just kind of the way it is. Or I'm, I'm a tired mom. It makes sense. You know, I'm really yeah. busy at work. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And so it just became their norm. And then once you eliminate it, like you're saying, like it affects everyone. So even if you don't have like diarrhea, uh, it's very possible that it's still having an impact. And I don't want to say this because I don't want people to all of a sudden be scared of gluten. And I don't want people to feel bad if they have gluten, but I want people to be aware because this is the one thing not to get like too off track here that with like the intuitive eating stuff and, um, that people just, they talk about like, just eat what feels right to you. Mm, And there, mm -hmm. you do get to that point, but to begin before you can get to an intuitive eating point, you need to eliminate these foods that are highly like inflammatory and addictive to you because you can't get to that intuitive state or else you're just going to keep on craving them over and over again. So it's like eliminating them for a little bit and then putting them, and then you can see how, how you adjust when you try to put them back in your diet. And then, yeah. And then hopefully you'll be a little bit more, um, I don't know, aware of how it affects you, but Mm -hmm. yeah, like a lot of people don't think it has an impact. Yeah. And then they, and then all of a sudden they do a banish the bloat challenge and they're like, holy shit, like my bloating has gone away. Right. I've lost seven pounds, but a lot of that is inflammation. Yep. Water retention. Yeah. You know, inflammation uh, causes leakiness of our vessels. So it's allowing the immune system to get into the tissue. Mm -hmm. And so if we have that throughout the whole entire body, you're creating that permeability, you know, into the tissues. The water just gets retained. Yeah. So, you know, it's important to, you know, try the challenge for sure. You can see the effects that it has on you. And also, you know, what we do in our clinic is we do testing. So you can actually see how your body's responding. Do you have an allergy? Is it intolerance? Or is it actually a genetic predisposition such as, uh, you know, celiac disease? We can do testing for all of that. I have a, I have a question. So I was <clears throat> tested for celiac back in my early 20s, and it came back negative. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell me at the time that I had to keep consuming gluten. Okay. Is there a test that you can do now where you don't have to keep consuming gluten? I think it's for like four weeks or something like that ahead of time. Yeah. Or would you have to subject yourself to that? So um, it depends what you're looking for. But if it's the genetic test, you don't have to because oh, you're okay. actually looking at the, the coding in your DNA that uh, will affect how you respond to that uh, gluten. 
Um, so you wouldn't have to eat, eat gluten for a genetic test. Uh, but when we're looking at immune uh, response, you know, the, typically the antibodies will be around in the body for about six months. And the more that you're exposed to it, the, the more likely that those antibodies are going to be present and then we're going to be able to pick up what that uh, response is. Mm-hmm. So, and it also depends. Did you, was it a blood test that you did? They did a blood test and I had already started, to, like I had basically eliminated it at this point already because I was getting so sick at this yeah. point. Like I'm talking constipated for like seven to nine days. Oh. And it, so like I just had to get rid of it. And I read that book, um, oh no, maybe that was even before the wheat belly came out. But anyways, mm. I, I eliminated it on my own. And then I went to the doctor to be like, can you please check if I have celiac? Because it's my understanding that if you have celiac and you have gluten, it's detrimental to yeah. your health. If you have, if you just have like a sensitivity and you have gluten, probably not ideal, but like it's not as detrimental to your health, right? So I kind of wanted to know where I laid on that because then I would be a lot more restrictive mm-hmm. if I had celiac and then it came back false. And then I, I don't know, who knows if it is, but then I didn't find out until after my doctor at the time didn't tell me I didn't find out until years after that you're supposed to consume it for mm-hmm. like two to four weeks in advance I'm like nobody told me yeah so yeah. yeah unless I was having it accidentally I don't believe I was even having it at that point mm-hmm. so the the antibodies may have been extremely low and mm-hmm. if you were having a reaction uh it, it could have been a false negative or it could be that you're not having that allergic reaction to it yeah mm-hmm Interesting. So a genetic testing, is that a blood test as well? Typically, you can get the DNA from different ways. You can get it in the blood. You can get it from a cheek swab. You can get it from saliva. Um, The ones that, um, you know, I've seen are mostly cheek swabs. Okay. So very easy, you know, just not eating half an hour before and you take a swab, you send it off to the lab a couple weeks, you get your results. Okay. I know I'm jumping around here a bit, but you touched on the whole thyroid thing and I'm clear I'm curious if you could just touch on that mm-hmm. a little bit more, yeah. elaborate a little bit more. Can you tell Ashley's super into this gluten conversation? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of people will be because it can affect you, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so when it comes to thyroid, especially autoimmune thyroid disease, so Hashimoto's, this is where the body is producing antibodies that end up attacking the thyroid. So when that happens, this is a gland that's producing hormones, you know, to control our metabolism, our brain function, our gut, our every every single cell is dependent on thyroid uh, hormones. So when you have antibodies that are destroying the the thyroid, then you're reducing your thyroid output, and this is what's called hypothyroid or that's underactive. I have hypo. Underactive thyroid. And so what we see is there can be something called molecular mimicry. So the the gluten molecule kind of looks like our thyroid cells. And so when you're creating when you're having a reaction to the gluten, then that can cause a reaction to the thyroid. Fascinating. Yeah. And this is all related to the leaky gut. You know, if those gluten molecules were being broken down properly. And, and not getting into systemic circulation for the immune system to identify and say, hey, this is, a, this is weird. We got to get rid of this, you know, mountain attack, you know, get the army going and, and clear this. If we weren't having that, I don't think it would be an issue. And this is what we're seeing a lot of autoimmune diseases. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, Hashimoto's, that's where the direct connection is. But a lot of autoimmune diseases are connected to uh, leaky gut. So if I don't have Hashimoto's, but I have hypothyroidism, it wasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily that, because from what I'm understanding, you're saying that gluten can actually cause Hashimoto's? There's a connection with it. Okay. Can it cause hypothyroidism? 
and, and that's a that's a great question. I don't think um, it's it's a causative effect. It may be uh, again part of this leaky gut causing higher inflammation, which is then affecting the thyroid. Um, but it's not the autoimmune thyroiditis, okay. yeah, or th- um, Hashimoto's an autoimmune disease. Okay. Yeah, we have a couple girls in Royally Fit Online that have Hashimoto's and have found a massive difference in their health when they eliminate gluten. So we track the antibodies and just by doing uh, a gluten-free diet, and we have we actually have an AIP diet that we do. So What's we're that? we're it's the autoimmune paleo diet. Oh, okay. So we're getting rid of all grains because there's other proteins within grains, uh, lectins that mm-hmm. can be very inflammatory for some people. Um, so when we implement this sort of diet, that's, that's totally anti-inflammatory, removing any of these potential triggers of inflammation affecting the immune system. Um, and we do a gut healing protocol. Uh, so again, we're looking at other areas of the gut. How well are you digesting? How well are, is your motility? Do you have any possible infections that you don't know about? Um, there, there's so many things that can affect the gut. Are you stressed? You know, we know that. When did you take antibiotics last? Yeah. That's a big one. Um, yeah. And, you know, the stress piece, we know that there's a huge psychological component to, um, you know, if you're eating on the run, you're not, you're, you're sending your body different signals, you know, or you're in a stress state, you're kind of in that fight or flight, you're looking towards the finish line of essentially just like completing that race, right? Um, or Dr. Arsenault uses a good analogy, which is, it's like a, a racehorse uh, running to the finish line. So that racehorse is in that high, what we call sympathetic or stressed state, because it's more concerned about uh, increasing blood flow to the muscles, increasing blood flow uh, to the heart, the respiration rate. You're getting your glucose up, you're getting your cholesterol up, everything that the body needs in order to sustain this high energy demand. On the other side of that is our rest, relaxation, digestion. You know, it's 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 two um, sides of the scale, and you can't have both at the well, same imagine, time. Well, imagine a racehorse was trying to eat a sandwich. Not exactly. that they eat sandwiches, <laughs> but imagine it was trying to eat a sandwich while it's yeah. racing. Like, it just doesn't even make sense, right? Exactly. Like, one thing at a time. And okay. we're all guilty of doing that. Oh, I notice a huge difference if I'm eating when I'm stressed out or multitasking with my digestion. And it's funny when, you're, when I'm dealing with, like, clients or they don't make the association of like bloating and everything that could just be associated to the stress while they eat. And you have to kind of go back to the basics and it's like, what are you doing while you're eating? Because you shouldn't really be doing much of anything. And we're all in this like society now that's hustle, bustle, multitask, let's do it. People like kind of get off on how many things they can get done at once. And it's like, your body can't function that way. It's either going to have the blood flow in the stomach and helping you digest, or it's going to be in your arms and legs as you move around. You have to kind of pick and choose. Yeah. And it's, it's the brain that's directing these signals too. So, you know, if you're giving it conflicting uh, input, it, it's not going to function ap- appropriately. So when we're sitting down and eating, you know, even just chewing our food as opposed to, you know, wolfing it down, you think about the, the size of the food particles that the body has to, you know, you have to get the enzymes in there to break it apart. And if you're just kind of inhaling it on the go, uh, you're, it's going to be a lot harder from a digestive standpoint to break that down into tiny little pieces to then start absorbing it and crossing that little, you know, lining of the gut, that filtering system. Well, yeah. Like you were saying about the microvilli, like having more surface area, the more you chew the food, the easier the digestive enzymes can come in and break down said food. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have to worry as much about things like the leaky gut. So it's like these little things of 
chewing your food properly, not drinking a ton of water while you're eating and like really focusing on that digestive health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we're in that stress state, it's, it's not allowing the digestive juices to start flowing. It, we actually dry up the mucous membrane. So that starts affecting not only our digestive enzymes, but our immune system and our ability to kind of wait off any sort of uh, possible infections. And that gets into, you know, seeing SIBO uh, and, and bacteria overgrowth within the small intestine, po- possibly, you know, other uh, candida or yeast. And all of these can then start kind of the trickling effects of uh, affecting the digestive lining, risk for uh, leaky gut, uh, systemic inflammation, and then leading into a lot of allergies. So uh, we have to look at all of these pieces when we're starting to look at um, improving gut health. Uh, But there are simple things that we can do. Uh, Like you said, just starting out, uh, trying for seven days, just remove gluten, see how you feel. Keep track of your symptoms, uh, Mm -hmm. keep track of your energy, you know, your sleep quality, your mood, uh, bowel movements, even if you want, depending on how detailed you want to get. Oh, we, oh, we get detailed. <laughs> oh, yeah. We want to we know it all. Yeah, like we'll yeah. literally go on the group and it's like a lot of people don't even know each other. We're like, all right, girls, let's talk about your pooping. Yeah. Is anybody noticing they're going more regularly? Is it more satisfying? Like, yeah. We, that's Is why it we- solid? That's always my question. What does it actually look like? Yeah. yeah. Like, are we having little like deer turds or are we having a nice long poop? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's so important. So I ha- just have a personal question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you eat gluten? And if so, like what is kind of like the frequency for you? Because yeah. I know we're trying to like, we're trying to promote a balanced diet for people and then like not feel guilty about food. So I know some people are probably gonna be like, oh my God, I'm never having gluten again. It ah, sounds so scary. So, but like if you could just kind of give us an idea of like what reality looks mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. And especially as a naturopathic doctor, I think a lot of patients, you know, have this idea that we're these perfect beans <laughs> that just, we, we live uh, in a whole different world than everybody else. But, you know, when I learn about these things, obviously it has an impact and uh, it, it definitely affects how I eat. So typically I will do gluten-free and I may do it for three months at a time, you know, depending how strict I, I'm wanting to be. But as life, you know, uh, comes in, depending on stress, depending on a number of different factors, I may start to loosen you know, the reins. And uh, I just make sure I pay attention. You know, how am I feeling? If I'm starting to notice that I'm becoming more drained and, you know, my brain isn't functioning as as quickly or my sleep quality is being affected uh, or I'm starting to notice bloating, anything like that, then then I'll uh, tighten up a little bit. But typically I'm choosing gluten-free options. You know, it took probably, you know, four years for me to have a very um, consistent diet where I wasn't eating you know, uh, bread and, and sandwiches and, and kind of going, those were my, those weren't my go-tos anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I grew up on, you know, the typical classic, uh, North American diet. So I was eating, you know, uh, bagel bites and pizza pops and oh, yeah. <laughs> all of this stuff <laughs> as a kid. And I remember, you know, I empathize with patients. I know exactly how it is. Cause when I first got into naturopathic medical school and I started learning about this, I kind of did the cold Turkey thing. And I, I went into the grocery store and I just, I felt so depressed 
because all of a sudden I couldn't eat everything that I was used to eating. Um, so it was definitely a learning curve, you know, for me of finding, you know, the, even the quality gluten-free bread Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it took a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just, you know, finding alternatives, not just trying to replace it, but doing more like lettuce wraps and, uh, things like that. And it's come a long way. There's so many different options. There's now. so many options. So now. many apps. And that's too. one of the things that Ashley and I are the most passionate about is we don't want people to feel deprived. Like mm-hmm. I am obsessed with food. I love cooking, I love eating, I love all types of food. And it's kind of like one of the things we pride ourselves on is having meal plans for people that have really good options. Like we still have muffins, homemade pizzas, bread, pasta, all these things that are gluten-free, nutritious, but like most importantly, they taste really good. And so I think people think like, oh, if I go gluten-free, I'm never going to have joy and I need to have joy in my food. And it's like, no, it you can have that joy without the inflammation, without the fatigue, without the stomach aches. And you don't have to do it unless you're celiac a hundred percent of the time. Last night I took down some donuts. Would I do that every day? No. But if I only have it once in a while, I can handle it and I can enjoy it and I can move on. Where if I have that every day, I feel awful sluggish and you can just get heavy feeling in your stomach, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, that's the biggest thing for us is you don't have to feel deprived because as soon as you feel deprived and it feels like a punishment, you're going to binge. And that's, we want to find that balance for people where they can feel completely satisfied while also not feeling farty, not feeling constipated, not feeling bloated and fatigued. So. Yeah. And that's why education is huge, right? Because we don't want people to feel like they're being restricted. And that's why you need to learn about why you're making these choices. It can't simply be, I want to lose weight, Mm -hmm. right? Like it can't be about that. It has to be about your well-being. It has to be about how sharp you feel, how energized you feel, how it's really nice to spend your day and not feel like you're holding in a fart while you're at work, right? (laughs) Like it's like those things matter. And it's it's like, like it's paying attention to those things and just how you want to feel. And then on, and, and like a little bit of a deeper layer of just like your future health, Right. And like you don't want leaky gut and you don't want SIBO and you don't want to be having to do these kind of things because they're the, like they're the leading uh, cause of disease. Right. So like it's it's educating yourself. And that's why it's so important that we brought you in today. So thank you for coming here, because we just want people to understand and they can make their own decision after that. But we don't want people thinking that we're like never have gluten. Gluten's awful. But like educate yourself on why we make this decision, because it's not just because, you know, it's trendy let's say it's because it comes with a a good reason and good intent and it's because we want just people to feel their best and like you're saying how it affects you mentally as well and yeah well I think one thing is that when people kind of resist and they kind of battle with us of like why they're like well you only live once you have to enjoy yourself and my argument back is always exactly you only live once do you want to be 70 and in chronic pain and having inflammation all through your body which is going to lead to some sort of disease whether it's Alzheimer's, whether it's cancer, whatever it is, or do you want to be 70 and feeling vibrant and like you have your vitality and healthy and then you can travel the world? Like to me, I'm like, I am investing in my health right now because I want to be a rock star when I'm 80. You know, I don't want to be bedridden. So I'm always thinking about that future of, yeah, I have one life and I want to live it large and I want to live it long. Yeah. I don't want all of a sudden to be like, oh, I'm 50. That's what happens when you turn 50. You get tired and you have this and you have this. Yes, maybe things get a little bit more challenging, but when you take care of your body, it's the rewards are going to be there for you when you get older. Mm-hmm. It comes down to quality of life. Exactly. And that's what we're advocating is we want everyone to be their optimal 
selves. And, uh, you know, we're looking at prevention too, like you're saying, long-term. These are decades it takes diseases to actually develop. So it's not going to be in your 50s that you decide to revert to, you know, a healthy diet. And, and you still can. You know, there's no uh, time that you, you can't, you know, kind of try and reverse some of those effects. But the earlier, the better. Yeah, some people I think have the mindset of, it's too late. I'm, no. it's, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70, it's too late. And I, there is this like grandma that went viral on Instagram like last year because she was like 108, I think. And she said that she does yoga every day. And they said, oh my gosh, when did you get into yoga? She said, I was 92. <laughs> and everyone said, why would you bother taking on yoga? You're 92. She's like, well, now I've been doing it for 15 plus years. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that because it's never too late to start making yourself healthier and to making those changes. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the body is extremely resilient if we're giving it the proper nutrients and uh, supporting it the right way. So exercise, you know, love, uh, sleep, diet, all of these are important, you know, in the long term. Yep. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I would love to have you come back on and dabble into the Chinese medicine because that is like so, I'm so interested in that stuff right now. Obviously we don't have time to get into it today, but Mm -hmm. I'll definitely need to pick your brain on some of that. I'd love to. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So before we ask you our last question, um, I just wanted to invite everyone that's listening to sign up for our free Banish the Boat Bloat Challenge. You need to be signed up by the 23rd, which is this Thursday, I believe. I hope I'm getting my dates right. Mm -hmm. You have to be signed up by the Thursday because on the Friday you get your meal plan and we start on the 27th. So you have that weekend to plan. So please, if you're interested in trying a dairy and gluten-free lifestyle, uh, even for a week, we're here to coach you through it and we want to help you... I want to share with you how you can do it in a really awesome and delicious way. Yeah, I got some good recipes on yeah, this. Yeah, this plan. one's like this. We've done the banish the bloat, as I said, multiple times before, but this one is revised and even better. So, yeah. so yeah, we invite you guys to do that. There's a link in the show notes. Um, and then we want to finish off by asking Dr. Robin Murphy, first of all, I guess I have two questions. I lied. <laughs> okay. um, how can people find you? And then what makes you feel badass? So people can find me either at the clinic website, uh, which is advancedmedicine.com. Uh, I'll give you the link. Yeah, yeah, I think it's .ca. <laughs> .ca, thank oh, yeah. you. We'll put it in the notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I also have my own website, um, and I'm on Instagram too, and it's just Dr. Robin Murphy. Awesome. Yeah. And with a Y. Robin with a, with y. a y, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And what makes you feel badass? Oh my God, so many things. Um, I feel pretty badass right now with you girls Yay! right now. Yeah, and I uh, I love being in nature. You know, I, uh, I've i been an advanced uh, scuba diver for 15 years and I feel pretty badass when I'm 100 feet below the ocean wow. and uh, I'm just looking at a shark or these <gasps> magnificent, you know, creations and coral reefs. Um, it's just like another world. Wow. You're such an I'd interesting say. person. <laughs> like what haven't you done? Oh my God. Yeah. I, I'm an experiential enthusiast. I as I love say. it. I, I love it. I love life. Yeah. I love traveling. So that is so cool. It makes me feel a little bit claustrophobic thinking of, thinking of you down there, but <laughs> I think that's awesome. It's like agoraphobia plus claustrophobia at the same time. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's some weird uh, mental struggles that happen. I bet. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Well, that's so awesome. Thank you so much Thanks, for coming guys. and sharing all of your wealth of information. And uh, yeah, we hope we see you guys in the seven day banish the bloat. We hope to have you back on the show, Dr. Robin Murphy. And don't forget to, to make, make today, today badass. badass. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That Badass Podcast. If you could do us a huge favor and head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, we would be so grateful because you have no idea how much that helps us grow our podcast. Yeah, and as an incentive and a little bonus, we're going to be doing a monthly giveaway and it's going to be kind of a mix of everything that we have to offer. So one month it could be Royally Fit Online, joining our community. It could be from the Badass Boutique or maybe even just some like free recipes and like a coaching call or something with us. We will figure it out month by month as we go. So yeah, please go over iTunes, podcast app, leave us a five-star review. And once again, thank you so much for listening. Spare Room Studios.